but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that in this place we tear back the veil into the heavenlies. We acknowledge that in this place of worship we gather with the heavenly church, with the angels, and we gather around you as the focus of our lives. And we declare that you are holy. There's no one like you, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth can rival you in power, in glory, in beauty, in love. Jesus, you're the only one that can change our lives. You're the only one that brings salvation. You're the only one who can heal our sicknesses, cast out our demons, and bring us into glory. And you have stepped down from your throne. For each one of us, everyone in this room and everyone watching online, you've stepped down from your throne onto this earth on which we stand to open up the way for us. Oh, that we'd grasp that. Oh, that we'd see the look in your eyes as you look upon us. Lord, we, we, we lay down at your feet our broken understanding of you. And we want to take up the truth. We want to take up the truth of who you are. We want to take up the truth of your love for us. We want to know how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And we want to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, would you meet with us more and more in this place? Would you show us how to, how to go deeper with you? Each one of us, Lord. We repent of our sin before you as well, Lord. We just say, Lord, all of us have sinned this week in some way, in thought, in word, in what we've done. And we come before you and know that you're a gracious Father. And we say, Lord, we're sorry for our sin. Would you... Forgive us, would you cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Even in this place, even in this moment, would we know that cleansing and that forgiveness? Would we know in our souls that we've been redeemed? Lord, teach us about yourself. Teach us who you are and teach us about what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. We honor you, Lord. We honor you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a seat. It's great to be with you. It's great to be gathering together. I love how authentic um, we're trying to be in worship. Obviously, we can always grow in authenticity. Um, but hey, what a wonderful thing to gather together as the people of God and to gather uh, with the Lord in this place and know His presence. Um, thank you, worship team. Why don't we give them a, a round of applause? Is that okay? Um, so I'm going to invite up. Greg. 
How exciting. It's always a treat when Greg preaches. Um, so uh, here he is. Thank you, mate. Morning, church. How are we? Good. It's good to be here this morning. Hey, we're going to go on a treasure hunt this morning. Anybody like treasure? Going to look at the goodness of God and the treasure that that is and then the cost of treasure in our lives. Any Indiana Jones fans in the house? Yeah, couple? I went and saw, who's seen the new Indiana Jones film? Only a couple of us have. All right. Amanda and I went and saw the new Indiana Jones film at the Australian premiere in, at the State Theatre. And when we walked in, I started to notice all these people had Indiana Jones hats on. And I thought, I want one of those. You know? And so I started to search for, you know, where's the stall that's selling the Indiana Jones hats? Because I was desperate to get one, right? And so I'm searching around, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to cost me some money. You know, how much do you think my hat's worth? I'm thinking, oh, you know, Indy hat's going to be 80 bucks or 100 bucks. Do I really want to pay that much? But I went searching for it. And then this incredible thing happened. They were free. Everybody got an Indiana Jones hat. So the five of us, I think there's a slide there of the five of us. The next one, look at us all in our Indiana Jones hat. 300-odd people in the cinema watching Indiana Jones with their Indiana Jones hats on. Who loves free stuff? Yeah, now I get some hands raised. Yeah, right. We love free stuff. And so I love that I got a free Indiana Jones hat. But then my wife says to me, because I'm raving, it's free, they're free. Come on, everybody, come and get one. They're free. And she says, well, they're not really free. And I said, no, they're free. They cost us nothing. She said, well, no, you had to buy the ticket to get the hat. It's not really free. (laughs) Thanks for that, Amanda. (laughs) How many times does Indy drop his hat in the new film? Nobody knows, of course. 13 times. 13 times he drops his hat. Uh, Sorry, I missed that, mate. Why did you count? Why did I count? (laughs) Well, I didn't, but Google did, so I was good. (laughs) So today we're going to focus on God's goodness. And we're going to look at the cost of goodness. We're going to stay in our theme of God's goodness, and we're going to look at the cost of goodness. Now, what do we mean by God's goodness? Well, Keeping with the definition that we've been using, God's goodness is when everything is in its place doing its proper task. This is God's good. So I'm going to ask us three questions, explore three questions with you today. What does God's goodness look like in my life? What does it look like to live in God's goodness? How do I go about living in it? And then what does it cost me? Is it an Indiana Jones hat that's free? Or is there a price to pay? Anybody interested in coming with me? Again, about the same number who saw Indiana Jones. So let's start by saying, what does God's goodness look like? Well, firstly, if I'm living in God's goodness, then I'm living in his love. God's good is first and foremost an intimate, personal relationship of love. Knowing that I'm loved knowing that no matter what happens on my days when I'm unlovable and undesirable, that I'm still loved. Do you know what it's like to live in that sort of love? Unconditional, uncaused, unaroused love of God, a love that is always and forever pouring itself towards you. That, firstly, 
is what it looks like to live in God's goodness. Everything else flows from there, knowing I'm loved. The second thing it looks like to live in God's goodness, I think, is to live in the promises of God. Again, how many promises do you think God makes in the Bible? How many promises in the Bible are there? Anybody want to venture a number? Promised land, thanks Dave, that's not a number. Anybody got a number? How many promises are in the Bible? Tim, give me a number. 600. Anybody got an advance on 600? I've got an up there going on on 600. Okay, 8,810 promises God makes in Scripture to us. How do I know that? Because Google told me so. 7,487 of them are promises that God makes to you. 7,487 promises of his goodness he makes to you. Anybody wowed by that? (laughs) Wow. God's got 7,487 promises for me to live in. I think the third way in which we can live in God's goodness is just living, I'm going to say living the true you, the made in his image you. You see, God showed us himself clearly in Jesus. And as I look at Jesus, I don't just look at God, I look at me, because that's me. (laughs) Do you get that? You're made in the image of God. Jesus is the exact image of God. When you read the stories of Jesus and see what he's like, you're seeing what you're like. And living in God's goodness is actually living the true me, the big me, the Jesus me, the divine me, the one that God created me and intended me to be. It's living in the magnificence of me. To live in God's goodness is to live in the big, bold Greg that God intended. Do you know what that's like? Living you. The fourth one is when we live in God's goodness, we we live our lives shaped by his stories, his concepts, if you will, his shaping principles, they shape our lives. We read scripture and we see these principles, we see these statements, some of them are in promise form, some of them are in statement form. You know, Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you live in God's goodness, you live in that statement. You never ever allow condemnation to be your story, to be upon you, to be shaping your life. Why? Because that's God's good for you and so to live in that good, you embrace that and allow that to be your life. And the last ones is you live in his truth, you live in his ways. If you live in his goodness, then you start to live in his ways. You love your enemies, you honour your parents, you, you take care of the orphans and widows, you, you love others before yourself. You, know, you, you live in the principles of the kingdom, that's to live in the goodness of God. Are you getting a hold of it, what the goodness of God looks like in your life? Okay, so let's ask the next question. How do we, how, how do we um, live in this goodness? How do we become people who actually embrace, embody the goodness of God? And Jesus shows us how to do this by using his shortest parable of Scripture. So the shortest parable of Scripture is the parable that Jesus says, now here's how you live in all of that. Don't you love the way God can take the most incredibly enormous concepts and go, let me give it to you in a way that you can grab, the smallest parable. So let's read this parable, Matthew 13, 44. Jesus says to them this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. In this parable, 
we see how we live in the goodness of God, this treasure of God. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven comes into your life like this, that God's goodness comes into your life this way. He likens God's goodness to treasure, right? So where we see treasure, just replace that with God's goodness. And the first thing I invite you to notice is that the treasure is already present. It's in the field. God has placed it there and it's freely available. God's goodness is present. It's available to anyone, you, if you would choose to find it. You see, a man finds it. It's not a certain man or a special man or a worthy man. It's a looking man who finds the treasure. So anyone who looks will find God's goodness. It's already there. So God freely makes it available to anyone. And this is the principle of the kingdom, right? That everything, every good gift from God is free and available. You don't earn it, deserve it, be worthy of it. You don't pay for it. Every good thing that God has for your life is free, absolutely free and absolutely present. You can never say that any of God's promises are not for you. You can never say that anything of the scripture is not for you. It's all for you, always. Now, the field, this is you, this is your life. The field where the treasure is hidden is in you. In Luke 17, 21, they asked Jesus the question, when will your kingdom come? And he says this, the kingdom is not discovered in one place or another, for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within you. You see, the treasure of God, the goodness of God, it's in you. You're the field. It's expanding in you. It's there. It's available and it's free always. Anybody hearing any good news? Anybody else hearing any good news? Why don't you just elbow the person beside you and say, you better listen to this, this is good news. Okay, so how do we go about finding it? How do we go about living in it? And I think what Jesus paints here is a picture, and I think there's five movements to this picture. And I want to invite you to ask yourself the question, do you live your life in this rhythm? In, this, in these movements? Do you live your life present with God, seeing this unfold in your life? So there's five movements and we're going to jump through them. The first movement is discovery. The man found it. You see, you find God's goodness as you become aware of it. And you become aware, as you become aware of God's love and his character and his truth and his promises and his principles, that is the finding of the treasure finding of God's goodness. And I want to say to you that this is a work of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is doing this all the time. He's helping you see, discover, become aware of the goodness, the treasure of God. Jesus tells us in in, uh, John chapter 16, verse 14, he says, when the Spirit comes, he will glorify me. Tim Keller made this statement. I read it during the week. The Spirit gets you to fall in love with Jesus and he takes the concepts and promises and treasure of heaven and he knocks you over the head with them. He shows the glory, their weight, their treasure, their significance, their power. You see, this is what the Spirit is doing. He's glorifying Jesus. What is Jesus? Well, the incarnation of God's goodness. So what is the Spirit doing? He's bringing in awareness. He's knocking you over the head, Tim, with just the weight, the the beauty, the enormity of how good it is. So awareness... Finding of treasure is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit is the treasure revealer of the goodness of God, if I can put it that way. 
So now, where, how do we be present? Where does this happen? How do we be present to this happening? And I want to say a couple of things around this. Firstly, revelation can come through, through the Spirit bringing you an awareness of yourself in your everyday. You see, the Spirit is with you always, and He is always glorifying Jesus, right? Now, He can do this just by bringing to you an awareness of yourself. The Spirit can show you something that's happening in your life, a behaviour, a way of thinking, a way you see yourself. Uh, uh, maybe it's a, a vow that you've made that's shaping your life. The Spirit brings you self-awareness of the things in your life that are not inconsistent with God's goodness, that are not in alignment with God's goodness. And as you become aware of brokenness, then I want you to invite you to see that healing is there, that treasure is there. In all your places of brokenness, God doesn't show you brokenness to put you down or to, or, or, or to make you feel bad. He shows you your brokenness because behind brokenness is treasure. Anybody gone on a journey in brokenness and found that God's released his goodness in that space? Yeah. So one of the ways that, that treasure is revealed is actually becoming self-aware of my brokenness, allowing the Spirit to show me my brokenness because behind brokenness is God's goodness. The other way is just as you read the Word. Has anybody read the Word and just had a revelation of God's goodness? I mean, I, read, I try and read, when I sit down and have coffee with God, I read one chapter of Scripture. I rarely read two because I usually... And almost every time, find so much goodness in one that I, I can't move on to two. There's so much in one. I would defy you if you've never done it. Read one chapter of scripture this week and just let the Spirit bring revelation of God's goodness to you. You just can't do it. You can't get through a single chapter, particularly New Testament-wise, where there is just not the goodness of God flung over every page. So where does the Spirit bring revelation? As you spend time in the Word. It comes just as you hang out with God. Do you have times where you just hang out with God? I've shared it with you before. I have a park. I walk around. I hang out with God. I chat with him. And he brings revelation of his goodness to me. It also comes in your overreactions. Anybody ever overreacted to something? Hmm. You see, when you have a 10 reaction when it should have been a 3 reaction, you know, when you explode at the kids in a 10 way, when really what they were doing was a three reaction, well, again, become aware of your brokenness. That's brokenness. The spirit brings awareness and then brings us into a place of wholeness. It comes as you hear the word shared. Hopefully you, you might hear some revelation today. It comes as the word is shared by someone or you read a commentary or you listen to a podcast, then revelation comes. So friends, let me ask you, do you listen with the Spirit to your life? Do you read the Word with the Spirit? Do you have times where you hang out with the Spirit, where you can bring this revelation of God's goodness, where you can glorify Jesus, where he can hit you over the head with how magnificent Jesus is? Because this is where the finding part starts, the discovery. But the treasure of the kingdom is not to be admired, it's to be activated, right? You see, not only is God good, I admire that, but he's good to me. That's activated. So you see, God does not give us treasure to store it up, he gives us treasure to spend it up. Anybody happy about that? Spend it all, God says. Don't store it, spend it. Spend the treasure that I give you. I mean, Tim, if I was to give you $10 million, that's a reasonable sum, isn't it? Would you spend it or save it or a bit of both of it? 
Right, sorry, sorry, Tim. What would Dad do? Spend it. You'd spend, you'd spend it for Dad. Sweet. <laughs> Don't you love kids? Spent. See, living in the kingdom. But what most of us would do is we might spend a bit of it and we'd save a bit of it, right? Yeah? Yeah? Well, I want to say to you that's not how the kingdom works. Spend the lot because there's another 10 million as soon as you've spent it. Are you with me? There's just more goodness coming your way all the time. You don't need to save it up for a rainy day. Spend it. That's what God creates the goodness in you to do is to live in its fullness to spend it. I think too often, friends, can I just get up in your face and challenge you? We are rich people who live poor. There is so much treasure for you. There is so much goodness of God available to you. We are rich people who live poor. So the first rhythm, the first movement of this, how do we live in God's goodness, is discovery. But after discovery comes the second movement, which is hide. The man found it and he hid it again. Now this part of the parable had me confused for a long time. It found like it was deceptive. He finds something good and then he hides it. And I felt like he was hiding it from others. But then God showed me, no, no, he's not hiding it from others. He's hiding it in his heart. This is critical that we get this, friends. You see, you discover treasure and then you hide it in your heart. You see, there's always a beautiful process that takes place from discovery to ownership. You see, the one whose treasure it is, he loves to journey with you intimately so that this treasure can be unpacked in all its fullness in your life. There's a movement of allowing God to love the truth into you as you commune with God intimately and allow him to speak his discovered truth into your mind and your spirit and your heart. It's this process of of, of, of marination of the truth into your whole being. It's a supernatural process where God does this. You see, he, he, he fits the truth to me. You know, if we take the truth... Where God says, you're never al- I'll never forsake you and you're never alone. There's a promise, right? I've got a good promise. Would you agree? That's God's goodness if you can live in that. But that means something different to me, to you. It's generic treasure. It's available for all of us. But as we hide it in our heart, God fits it to our life. It means something different to me in different stages of my life. And it's this hiding of the treasure that the Spirit's made us aware of where God fits it to me. He makes it applicable to me he shapes me in it and it's different to the way he shapes you in it and friends this is why i can't do your spiritual journey for you i can't hide it away in my heart for you i can help the spirit make you aware of it by speaking it out but this process of hiding it's an intimate process you see this is where intellectual discovery of treasure i understand that god will never leave me becomes spirit to spirit revelation where I know it experientially that he will always be with me, where I live out of a story that is at the core of my being, that I am never alone. Who knows our society is is almost in a, what's the word? I've lost the word. It's not a parademic. Pandemic! Yeah, tried to forget that thing. We're living in this era of pandemic isolation, are you with me? Yet you and I, we have God's good promise that we're never alone. Has he, have you hidden that away with him? (laughs) Whereby he's fitted that to your life? Whereby when you feel or think 
that you're never alone, you go, actually, no, I've got God's goodness. I've been marinated in that stuff. That's not my story. Are you with me, friends? You see, we all know that information from an outer authority doesn't necessarily bring about transformation. We need spirit revelation, spirit consciousness, if we're going to live in genuine transformation. I love this statement by Brendan Manning. He made this comment, failure to recognise the value of simply being with God is to rip the heart out of Christianity. Did you get it? You see, failure to recognise that God wants to hang out with you and marinate you in his treasure is to rip the heart out of what it means to be a Christian. Because too many Christians discover truth, but they never hide it in their heart with him. They never get marinated in it to a way that that shapes their life. I want to challenge you here this morning. Let's be people who hide out with God in his truth and his goodness and be marinated in that. Anybody say amen? Yeah, let that be us. You see, Jesus wants to minister you to your heart. I can only preach to your mind and your will. I can create head encounters, but he creates heart encounters. And these encounters are transformational. Again, just to quote Richard Rohr in his Divine Dance, he says this, that the greatest moment in all divine revelation is when beautiful ideas drop from the head to the heart from the level of idea to experience. Friends, are you experiencing God's goodness? <laughs> That's the hiding process. Let me ask you another question. When you give a friend of gift, when you give a friend a gift, do you like to be present when they open it? Anybody like me? I like to be present when they open it. Friends, God likes to be present when you open it. He loves being present with you as you open the treasure of his goodness in your life. So, two movements so far. Discovery, we become aware of God's treasure, his goodness. The second is we take that and we hide it away in our intimate time with him. And then the third part, I've got to find the third part, I'm jumping around, sorry. The third part is when the man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy. You see, the outcome of spirit revelation is it becomes your joy. When you have truth intimately birthed in you by God, it becomes joyous truth. Are you with me? It's not, it's not a duty to follow. It now becomes a joy to behold. It's not a must-do. It's now a passionate do. It's, it, it's, it's not a burden to carry. It's now a pleasure to walk in. You see, you've seen the beauty of God's goodness and you passionately and joyfully want to have your life shaped in that. Friends, don't come out of your hiding with God until his treasure has become your joy. Are you with me? If it's a burden, if it's something that you don't like the look of, if it's something that you've got to do but it tastes like sucking on lemon, go back into hiding. <laughs> go back into the marination phase of the truth until it becomes your joy. You see, obedience to law doesn't bring about joy. Only receiving treasure brings about joy. Friends, would joy mark your Christian existence, your Christian life? Would you say it's a joyous walk with God into his treasures? Again, I'll just quote Richard Rory. He says, the foundation of authentic Christian spirituality is joy. Joy. The joy of walking with God. 
You know, nobody finds a treasure and goes about finding treasure who's not full of joy, right? (laughs) If you found treasure, you're going to be doing the I found treasure dance. Are you with me? You know? (laughs) Tim, have you got it? Just joking, man. (laughs) Fourth movement. This is where it hits the road. This is the cost of God's goodness. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had. You see, for the kingdom to come in your life, for God's goodness to come in your life, you always have to make room for it. There is always a death and resurrection, a letting go, a selling all you have to come alive to the treasure of heaven. Because the treasure of heaven always replaces another treasure that you've established in your life. There is always a replacement that takes place. And this can be painful, extremely costly. It can cost you all you have And it's often a long journey, not a quick sale. Anybody in that journey, done that journey, been, yeah, like if you haven't, then you just haven't been hiding out with God long enough, right? It's paying the cost of breaking the vows you've made that you think serve you well and protect you when they're not healthy vows. It's paying the cost of becoming present to your woundedness and your trauma and the lies that were established there and allowing Jesus to be present and you you sell out those lies, you you sell out entirely all you have invested in those lies to receive the treasure of God. It's the cost of fighting ways of thinking that have shaped you, that are opposed to the ways of God. It's the cost of breaking generational stories that have come down through your generations that are shaping your life in contrary to the way that God wants you to live. It's the cost of repentance. It's the cost of forgiving others. It's the cost of laying down the judgments you hold over others or you hold about yourself. It's the cost of laying down your reliance and submission to the ways of the world. Do you see how costly this is? It costs you everything. It's free. (laughs) You just have to pay the cost of the ticket, right? It's the cost of breaking with agreements you've made to darkness. It's the cost of selling out the small self, ego-created self that you are and moving into the big, bold, beautiful, made-in-his-image self that God tells you are. It's the cost of laying down the things and the ways and the stories and the identities that you've created that are precious to you that aren't in alignment with God. It's the cost of selling out of any belief that there is something in my life that will give me full life besides Jesus. Friends, this is costly business. It costs you all you have. You see, the treasure of the kingdom's God's goodness is free. It just costs you everything. And the cost is death. It's death. You die to those things so that you can be resurrected in his treasure. It's taking up the cross and following Jesus into his goodness. You see, authentic Christianity is not a belief system, it's a life and death system where you sell out on the old self and you be born again into the new self-treasure of God, you. Again, I just want to quote Tim Keller to you. He said this in a sermon I read this week, there are two basic spiritual dynamics and the degree to which they are happening in your life, you experience God. These two dynamics is what heightens spiritual vitality. And these two dynamics... He uses, he quotes, quotes John Stott in a sermon and he uses these two words. They're mortification and aspiration and they're all over scripture. Romans 
mortification in Romans. It says, by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You see, there's a mortification, there's a dying to that. In Colossians, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In Galatians, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, there's this mortification, this paying the price, this laying down, this selling out of all that I've invested in other things. And then there's this aspiration with, where this joy comes and the treasure is set alive. Romans says, set your minds on the things of the spirit desires set your heart on the things above in colossians hebrews fix your eyes on jesus galatians walk in the spirit this mortification and aspiration are two sides of the same coin and to the degree to which you are flowing in this as a rhythm of your life with god is the degree to which you will have spiritual vitality are you with me friends the degree to which we see the joy of the treasure and then the degree to which we pay the cost of laying down the things that stand opposed to god's goodness That's our spiritual vitality. Aspiration and mortification. So let's go to the last part of the movement. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought that field. You see, once you've sold out of all that would oppose the kingdom, then you buy the field. You buy God's treasure. It becomes your treasure. It becomes owned by you. It shapes you. It becomes the moulding, shaping of your life, God's goodness. You become as he designed you to become. In Jesus' shortest parable, he tells us how to live in the fullness of life he intended. Are you with me, friends? Is it good? So go. (laughs) Go. Go and become aware. Put yourself in the word. Put yourself in his presence. Hang out with God. Be prayerful. Allow the spirit to bring the awareness of God's goodness into your life, his treasure. When you become aware, hide it in your heart. Spend the journey of marination with him where it becomes yours until it's joy that you desperately want to see released in your life. And then pay the price of selling out of everything that's in its way. Everything that contradicts it, everything that darkness has sowed so you wouldn't have it. Sell it all and buy the field. Amen? Amen. So friends, I want to just create a little bit of space. There's never enough space when we're together. I'd love to create an hour for you now. So let's do it really hurried. No, you can't hurry it. Just be still for a moment. Let's just ask the Spirit to bring a revelation, the discovery part. Maybe you already know it. Maybe you know the treasure that God is marinating, trying to bring a release to in your life at this point in time. For me, God's showing me the beauty of self-sacrifice, the treasure of self-sacrifice. And it's just starting as I'm marinating in it to become a joy. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit now. Maybe if you can and you can just close your eyes and be present to him. Just be present to the presence of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to each of us personally. What part of your good do you want to bring revelation to me today? that this week I may start the journey of hiding that in my heart. Just 
just listen to the Spirit. Allow God to be present and say, I want to shape you in this part of my goodness, this part of my character, this promise that I've given you, this principle for life. We the feet. 